to this day, I know it's coming and it is done so well. It doesn't jump. I don't jump from it, but I get you feel it. A chilling sensation uh -huh. that I feel like I can't. I can't even say that I get that mm -hmm. from most horror movies. It's such a well. The vibe of it is so well done and very much in keeping with the original film, I feel like. And here we go, man. Uh, the Johnny Horror Podcast, Episode 2. I'm here with my friend, Kaylin Behrman, and... Uh, yeah, man. Welcome. Thanks, man. Glad to be here. And I am glad you're here, too. Uh, mostly because you and I, back in the day, would close up the old Starbucks coffee shop, and we lived in the same complex, We would, which was in walking distance mm -hmm. of our Starbucks that we worked at. We would close that down uh we would usually go walk to the circle k get ourselves a beer go back to your house mm -hmm. and then stay up until like three or four o'clock in the morning just talking about everything talking about life movies and the pursuit of happiness which i'm not we've kind of achieved that to some degree we're some happier degree. i feel like we're happier now i think than we were okay. then i yeah. don't know those are some pretty good times i would say so definitely there were definitely some good times. But, uh, so, my good man, when, uh, when was, uh, when was, what did your first, like, horror movie experience, what, like, got you into the genre? So, my early horror experiences, uh, I didn't think of them as horror experiences. Like, I thought of them as, like, science fiction. So, um... The listeners won't know, but Johnny uh, knew my dad, and my dad was a cinephile and um, kind of a science fiction nerd. So I grew up watching movies like um, The Fly and The Thing and Alien, right? Some of the greatest horror films ever made. Yes. And um, to me, those weren't horror. They were just cool science fiction movies. Mm -hmm. And I thought as a kid, and I think this is really funny now because of who I grew up to be, I thought I didn't like horror. Because I just saw, and it's it's funny, it's kind of topical. I saw all those horror sequels, um, you know, the the low budget sequels for Friday the Thirteenth and A Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween, and I thought, oh, horror means like bad movies. Yeah. So I I quote unquote <laughs> didn't like horror, yeah. right? Because I was raised by this snobby cinephile of a father. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't I quote unquote didn't like horror, and then I think. It was watching the the television um, miniseries for it. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that got me and my friends probably around the age of twelve to all read the novel It, and I fell in love with that. And from there, Stephen King, and continued reading Stephen King novels, and then you know eventually realized like, oh, I'm a horror fan. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I. Uh... Forgot that you were you're actually a major major bookworm, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you reading anything good right now? So no, I mean not 
right now I've been reading just a ton of comic books. Yeah? Yeah. A couple of good horror comic books, but just a lot of comics lately. I haven't been reading a lot of prose fiction for some reason. Right on this. It, 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 you know, it comes and goes. You it gotta, does. You gotta find the, the thing that, like, hits you mm-hmm. just right, mm-hmm. and then you'll read, like, three books in a row. Yep. And then you'll run out of steam and you'll be like, what do I read next? And yep. Sometimes you pick something up and it's not hitting you the way... That you want it to. Want yeah, it to. does it grab you? Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't even mean that it's bad. No, right? You might come back to it six not. months later and be like, oh, this is a great book. Yeah. But you just weren't in the mood at the time. 100%. Yeah. I went through and did all of the Meg oh, yeah. uh, novels. I read the first two and then stopped for whatever reason and then when COVID hit and I ran out of things to do I read all the rest of them which was like four other books four uh, yeah uh four other books and then I read the Jaws sequels uh which uh the Jaws books like believe it or not like the original Jaws book is the weakest Really? Out of the trilogy oh, of books. Weird. Okay, that's crazy. Uh, Jaws 2 is phenomenal. Better okay. than the original Jaws book by a <laughs> long shot. Infinitely better than the film. And I like Jaws 2. I of like course. Jaws 2 yeah. a lot. Uh, Jaws the Revenge. <laughs> uh, like, while still outlandish and ridiculous, it actually makes quite a bit of sense of okay. the plot. Uh-huh. Whereas the 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 film you've seen Jaws the Revenge right oh god my goodness it's I mean it's been quite some time but yeah it's it's rough yeah. it's rough uh tried to sit and watch it with Brian we did a we did a back to back we did Jaws three and Jaws the Revenge but by the time we got to Jaws the Revenge mm-hmm. we were so belligerently drunk that we pass out <laughs> yeah <laughs> through it so, so much for that. but um that does kind of lead us into a segue of uh, one of the things that i really wanted to talk to you about which was horror sequels now there's one in particular that you turned me on to and i think it is arguably one of the best horror sequels ever made and completely underrated you know what it is the exorcist 3 there we go there it is <laughs> my man my man uh, so glad you said that it yeah. is uh i remember watching it just very much by you saying no it's it's really good like you, mm-hmm. you don't understand it's misunderstood it's really it's really, it really direct is. sequel and it makes sense and it's a very well made film yep and I remember sitting down, watching it, and thinking very much the same thing, even if I didn't appreciate it as much then as I do now. Mm-hmm. So, talk to me about your experience with The Exorcist 3. Man, okay. So, I ended up watching The Exorcist 3. Um, I saw The Exorcist 2, unfortunately. And I just want to get this out there, just to be super clear for anyone listening. If you're listening to this... The original film, The Exorcist, is a masterpiece. It's one of the greatest horror films of all time. It's uh, it's one of the great films, period. If you watch that and you like it, and you want to watch follow-up, just watch The Exorcist 3 and think of that as a direct sequel and completely ignore the second one. It is the worst piece of shit anyone has ever made. It's the most embarrassing film I've ever seen in my life. It's really bad. So I saw that, 
And then I don't know why. Um, we watched that, and then eventually we got around to three. And I was again, I was a kid. My dad um, had no qualms with showing me rough material when I was little. Yeah. And so I watched The Exorcist three when I was probably like twelve, maybe maybe mm-hmm. eleven. Your dad was the one who showed it to you. Yeah, my dad showed it to me. That's he showed cool. me a lot of good movies. Yeah. And um, and I was just blown away. Like, oh, this one's good. Like, why was the second one so bad? So then when I was older, I did a little bit of research and I realized that the author of The Exorcist um, had actually made, written, and directed yeah. The Exorcist 3, which is crazy because authors do not, are not filmmakers. No. Like, people are always surprised that Stephen King's The Shining is bad, and I'm like, you shouldn't be. He's a writer, not a filmmaker. It's a different skill set. Yeah, and uh, what, what, what is the other one that he uh, did? Oh, gosh, why is it totally escaping my brain, the one that... Uh, I'm not sure which one. Uh, Stephen King directed, and I can't even think of it right now. Um, it has uh, Emilio Estevez in it. It has the Green Goblin truck. Anyways. Um, but uh, William Peter Blatty, is that it? How yes. you say it? Okay, yeah. He, he wrote and directed the third one, and it's just excellent. It's just an excellent movie. It's an excellent follow-up um, to The Exorcist, and... I just think it's a crazy underrated movie. Like, if you look at its Rotten Tomatoes scores, like, critics didn't really appreciate it. And I feel like they went in with a prejudice against The Exorcist 2 mm-hmm. that damaged their ability to to honestly assess The Exorcist 3. Yeah, I uh, would firmly agree with that. And interestingly enough, I have found that there is not even... I mean, horror fans know it and love it like mm-hmm. legit horror fans sure um nerds like us enjoy that movie thoroughly but mm-hmm. i watch a lot of videos on like top 10 lists and read a lot of top 10 lists about like like scariest moments in film and all of that and without fail that movie ends up on scariest jump scares of all time Oh, for the, the, uh, uh-huh. the uh, shears yeah. scene with the the sheet. Yes. Um, I it, to this day I know it's coming and it <laughs> yeah. is done so well. It mm-hmm. doesn't jump. I don't jump from it, but I get you feel it a chilling sensation uh-huh. that I feel like I can't. I can't even say that I get that mm-hmm. from most horror movies. It's such a well the vibe of it is so well done and very much in keeping with the original film, I feel like. Um, if anything, The Exorcist 3 is has you unnerved earlier on, even from the, the opening credits mm-hmm. uh, and the voiceover and just like the whispers and the breathing. You're mm-hmm. just like, I don't like this. It's chilling. I don't like this like, at all. That word is used a lot. Yeah. But it's legitimately chilling. And I love that. Like, as a horror fan, that... It, it is a I very, very well-made film. And, I mean, I am uh, very much indebted to you for uh, turning me on to that. I think I... No, I actually watched it with you. Yeah, I'm we pretty, watched that together. Yeah, we yeah. watched it at your house. Was, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was... Uh, I was like, oh, no, dude, trust me. Like, you're gonna like this one. And you were like, well, shit. Well, you know, when, when you... When I first started out as a horror <clears throat> fan, I was definitely a little bit more... Um, uh, snobby, I mm-hmm. would I would absolutely say. Yeah. Now, 
the, sure. the trashier the film is, pretty much the better. I, I would say that <laughs> if, if it's like from the 70s to the 80s, like the trashier the film is, the better. Uh-huh. Once it hits like the 90s and the 2000s when no, it gets trashy, I'm like, the acting is so bad. Yeah. It's really hard to watch. But um, yeah, man, that was a, that I do remember that watching that at your house and probably feeling very uncomfortable on the very short walk home and the fact that I had to try and uh, go to go to sleep that night. <laughs> right. <laughs> right after that. Movie. Yeah. 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 The, the scene where like it's it's the statue and just the way it's framed, do you it's not in in the center, but it's like off to the side. It's supposed to be like in a church or something like that. And there's this like joker looking statue off to the side that is arguably one of the creepiest looking, you know, clown figures in all of cinema and it's just there for one shot and then it's mm-hmm. it's gone and you're like what the fuck was that about which is also that's that's also in keeping with the first movie yeah with the uh, the demon yeah well like i mean you know i'm sure i I've, I've talked at length about my just and I, I even talked about it in the last episode with oh, nice. abby that you know my um my biggest fear for a long time was uh, Pazuzu. Uh-huh. And Pazuzu. That, that, little, that little face that just pops up. Uh-huh. It's horrifying. Why did you do that to me? I didn't just, like that at all. It's absolutely horrifying. Yeah. I love it so much. Such a such a well done uh, thing. And almost no movies use that like subliminal messaging anymore. It's, mm-hmm. it's all very much in your face. Very and, loud. Yeah. Um, what do you have any other favorite horror sequels? Anything else that that you've seen that you're like, fuck, man, that was really good. I mean, you know, it's funny when you asked me for my favorite horror sequels, and I I was racking my brain like, what are my favorite horror sequels? My mind went straight to The Exorcist three. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. So it's a very modern trend. I have been liking the reboot cool thing going on with uh, starting with Halloween. Yeah. And then continued with Candyman. Yeah. Um, I have appreciated those. Historically, like the the classic horror films, I don't normally love the sequels. Even like um, earlier I was talking about how I like science fiction movies that are horror movies. Even movies like Alien and The Terminator, which The Terminator is a horror movie like if you in, in a in a oh i i think in a vacuum. the the original terminator is, is it's like a, a slasher with, with guns like you yeah. know what i mean um but the sequels to those movies go all the way away from horror and all the way into like action for example yeah or like horror films that i really loved like halloween or um i fucking love a nightmare on elm street um i didn't love the sequels i, I never really liked the sequels a whole lot how do you lot. feel about uh Nightmare Three. How do you feel about Dream Warriors? Because that tends to be the, the one that you know a lot of people, you know, love the best. People love Dream. I see. I haven't seen Dream Warriors in probably, probably like twenty years. But I can say at the time I didn't. I didn't like it. I'll have to give that a rewatch. Yeah, I I think you would uh, you do well if it's it. The thing is, it's still a departure from the first movie, where, wherein, I mean, Freddy's still scary, but there, uh-huh. there, very few things are as scary as Freddy Krueger in the, the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Right. 
Right. Uh, that kept me awake for a very, very long time. The, uh, the movie is way ahead of its time. Yeah. I mean, the, the scene with the girl, like, floating, floating, and then going up the wall, I mean, that was they, so they impressive. Talk, they talk at length about how they got her to, like, go up the wall, uh -huh. because it was a rotating room, but there's the shot where she comes off of the bed. They had to have done it with Dude. wire work, but it's some of the best so wire work I've ever seen because she so just impressive. flies up and then she's just like wobbling in the air. And it's, it's so, with their budget, I, yeah. I can't imagine phenomenal. what it would have been like to be like a teenager in 1984 sitting in a movie theater and watching that happen. Like, holy shit. That, yeah, must, that have must have been, been amazing. Mind-blowing. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Because it's, it's one thing... For like us that you see the move you see the, the package of the movie or it's it's in it's in the social environment. You mm -hmm. know who Freddy Krueger is even before you know who Freddy Krueger is. That's right. You know, you know who he is long before you've ever seen the movie, and by the time you've seen the movie that's you know, a horrifying thing in and of itself, but to never have heard of this Fred Krueger right. and then have, right. him have him really show up fuck your life yeah. up in, you know, an hour and 45 minute film. Um, yeah, that, that must've been, that must've been something sweet. There are, there are things that like, I really wish I could have been a part of as far as, you know, being in a movie theater when it happened for the first time, obviously Jaws. That, oh yeah, absolutely. That would have been yeah. fantastic. I, I really, I can't think with, with the exception of something like, the Dark Knight, which you already knew yep. was going to be phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Like, I I can't think of anything where I saw it and I knew like something something special had happened. Maybe it. Maybe the oh. maybe yeah the the first chapter of it when mm -hmm. that came out in twenty seventeen. I remember just being like, "This is going to yep. be huge." Yeah, and it was. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think if I'm old enough to have seen anything like. There's, you know, like, there was, I didn't see it in theaters, but I mean, like, as far as, like, a milestone, like, something that changed in cinema, The Matrix would. Oh, sure. Have, would well, in that, that case, I would say Jurassic Park for Jurassic me. Park, if I didn't, yeah. I, again, not one that I saw in theaters, but, mm -hmm. you know, because I, I think I was, I was about three years old when uh -huh. Jurassic Park came out. Actually, it came out in June of 93, so I was still, like, You're, two. like, two. Yeah. I was years old when Jurassic yeah. Park came just out. a That's little baby mind-blowing yeah. to me because to me like I saw it when I was like four I saw it when I came out okay. on VHS and you know four was so to me in my mind that movie comes out when I'm four mm -hmm. even though I know right. when it did <laughs> yeah. but that to me that's crazy to me. see I, I remember seeing that as a little boy in the movie theater and going whoa <laughs> like, what yes. just happened see, yeah. yeah to me it was amazing to me like Jurassic Park, like, Jaws is clearly my favorite movie of all of time, course. but Jurassic Park is very, very, very close mm -hmm. second. Yeah. But to me, Jurassic Park is the definition of what a movie is supposed to be. Like, when I sit and watch that movie, I'm there in fucking Jurassic oh, yeah. Park. That music, the mm -hmm. way it's filmed, everything. I can quote that movie front ways and back ways. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a perfect film, even with all its imperfections, you know? Such a, such a well-made movie, and I would have killed to have, you know, 
been a little boy sitting there. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Were you, uh, how did you deal with the T-Rex? Did it scare you at all? Like, no, I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my fucking life. (laughs) I mean, it was, it was exhilarating. Yeah. And when the T-Rex was going after like the little kids who, when you're a little kid, those are, those are your avatar in the movie, right? So that was like a little bit like, whoa, but like, um, no, it was just thrilling. It was just incredible. I was just like, it's a fucking T-Rex. Like I was, uh, so excited the whole movie. And, And then the... I think I felt a little bit of fear too during like the the raptors. Um, well, raptor scene is very yeah. like one of the best suspense scenes mm-hmm. ever put in film. Absolutely. Yeah. But I again, I just thought it was so cool. Yeah. The whole thing was just like I was a little boy. Fuck yeah! yeah it's this fucking dinosaur. Yeah. Man. It was a, yeah. It's the coolest thing I've ever seen. It's one of the things that I'm <laughs> very, uh, I'm very hopeful. Have my fingers crossed that the mm-hmm. kid's gonna be a dinosaur boy. Uh-huh. I'm worried that he's gonna. He definitely uh, likes his uh, his cars and things okay. right now. So maybe he'll be a race car boy. But I'm really, hoping, he's a, really hoping he's a dinosaur boy. Because uh, I definitely was. I had so many Jurassic Park toys. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that note, what are your feelings on on uh, Lost World, Jurassic Park? I like it in the context of being older and not expecting it to be Jurassic Park anymore. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I was probably a little bit disappointed when it came out. Oh, for sure. I was probably the I mean, that was one of the most anticipated sequels ever. Yeah. Like, ever, ever. Um, God, what grade was I in? I wasn't quite as little a boy at that point. I was old enough to be disappointed. Yeah. But, um, I think now I could probably just sort of appreciate it for just being kind of a cool movie that, that had an unfair task to sort of live up to. Yeah. Uh, see, I loved it because when uh-huh. that movie came out, uh-huh. I was seven. So. Okay. Prime. That was the age I was, I think, when Jurassic Park came yeah. out. So, so Prime, yeah. and I mean, Jurassic Park was my favorite movie when I was little, mm-hmm. and then the new one came out. And when the new one comes out, and then all the merchandise grabs you as a kid, you're like, well, this is clearly my favorite movie now. Yeah. Um, yep, yep. And, I mean, I loved it. For some reason, my parents wouldn't buy me oh, that no. movie. We had Jurassic Park, but they would never... Like, they never bought uh-huh. me, and I swear, it couldn't have been more than fucking 20 bucks. Right, right. Um, they bought me all the toys, but they would never buy me the movie, which I still to this day <laughs> do not know why, but they gave me terrible. Uh, a blank VHS to go over to my neighbor's house, because we didn't have cable TV, but my neighbor mm-hmm. did, and they knew that the movie was, <laughs> was going to be on, mm-hmm. and so they gave the child who... <laughs> I'd never recorded a VHS before. The daunting task of recording a VHS and a blank VHS. And the movie itself is, I think, one of the longer Jurassic Park movies, if not the longest, already. It's like a three-hour movie, isn't it? It's not that long. It's it's a solid, like, two-hour plus, maybe 220, 215. Okay. but they had a whole bunch of scenes added in, mm-hmm. stuff that they cut out. They do that sometimes for TV movies to help like take up runtime and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So there was all that extra time and then all the goddamn commercial breaks. So no, my thing stopped recording at, oh gosh, somewhere around the three-quarter mark. Okay. So uh, so I had this movie with all these commercials. Tell me you took that home and you cherished it anyway. I cherished the fuck out of it, man. I loved uh, it so much. Kids but these days will it, never know. No, they yeah. won't. Um, but it broke my damn heart that I could never finish the yeah. fucking movie. <laughs> Even though I knew how it ended, but, uh, but yeah, because I, that was probably like my most rented movie, mm-hmm. uh, 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 at, you know, Blockbuster or whatnot. But, um, yeah, man, I know how to, again, it's one of it's like a comfort movie for me, like that and the original Jurassic Park. If mm-hmm. it's on, mm-hmm. I don't care if I watched it yesterday. Right, I'll yeah, put it on yep, anyways. Yep, totally feel you. Yep. Do you have any movies like that that you're just like, dude, this is my comfort food, and I'll watch it uh, on repeat till I die? Um, yeah, I mean, I've got quite a few movies like that, but um, in the horror sphere, um, it's more recent, but The Lighthouse. Is one that I just I can watch that movie, that movie every day. Perfect. I can watch it every day. I lo- I love it so much. That's um, a perfect movie. It is. It's literally like kind of a perfect movie. Like to me, um, if you were to ask me to show a person an example of cinema at its peak, that would be on my list of movies that I'd show you. Like to me, that's just probably my favorite movie of the last ten years. Um, the original Halloween. I can watch that movie every every freaking day. Um, watched that very recently. I feel like I could just put on like a Halloween record and just like listen to the score and be happy like permanently. Uh. <laughs> I uh, I was I <clears throat> that music. I mean, it's my fucking ringtone mm-hmm. on my phone. Yeah, no surprise there. Um. John Carpenter is just a fucking machine, man. His his music that he puts out is so good. I was actually that was one of my favorite favorite parts of the twenty eighteen version, and absolutely one of my favorite parts of uh, Halloween Kills was the score. Oh yeah, it's that's I mean that's part of like the whole Halloween experience, isn't it? Yeah, like, that music is just. Before I forget, I wanted to drop one more that's a comfort yeah. food horror movie, uh, Poltergeist. Poltergeist? God, I love Poltergeist so much. I was talking to a buddy of mine about that recently. A buddy of mine that doesn't uh, that doesn't watch horror movies, but okay. cited Poltergeist as uh-huh. something that scarred him. Really? As a child. Okay. And he was like, yeah, dude, the fucking clown. And, oh, okay. and that's what I said. I was like, yeah, yeah well, that's like, the... actually rough, like rough, rough. But... Well, I think, you know, definitely like for me, if I saw that as a kid, mm-hmm. that would have fucked me up for uh-huh. sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, the face scene to this day, I'm just like, damn. <laughs> like, yeah, it's pretty brutal. Yeah, it's, man, it's, it's gnarly. Brutal. Um, yeah. That's like I think it's that is one of the last movies of that caliber to get a PG rating. Yep, yep. That was back when they still put pretty like pretty legit kinds of things in PG movies. That was, I mean, Spielberg was kind of the last bastion of that. Not that I know it's not technically Spielberg, but 
Um, because it was also that was when um, well, Temple it, of Doom got a PG, and it was like that's not a PG movie. Well, Temple of Doom was the last one. Oh, okay. that was that was the straw that broke the camel's okay. back. I think I actually talked about this in the last episode too. That it was sorry, I keep rehashing. No, 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 you're good. I I knew that was gonna happen when I did this. Mm-hmm. I had that uh, that I did that first episode. I'm like. I'm going to sound like a broker record after, uh-huh. like, the 10th episode. <laughs> but it's all good. Um, uh, yeah, that was the thing that, like, people were like, no, man, this needs to be an R rating. Yeah. And Spielberg yeah. was like, what if we just had something in between? You right, know? Right. So he's the reason that we have a PG-13 rating. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Poltergeist is, is... And it's funny. I try to explain this to my girlfriend. Um, so for the audience... Um, I have, uh, my girlfriend is a little bit younger than we are, and, um, it's really interesting getting her perspective on these things, because, like, I'll show her Poltergeist, and she can't believe that that was a movie that kids went and saw. Yeah. She's like, kids went and saw that? And I'm like, oh, yeah, lots of them. Like, that was, that was normal for parents to show that one to kids. Yeah. Belty face and everything. Or, like, Indiana Jones, like, in the Temple of Doom, like, kids went and saw that movie. Yeah. It's gruesome, so. Yeah. It's, it's changed a little bit. I mean, even to this day, like, I think there's a lot of, <clears throat> you know, things that would still break down. Like, if you go, like, the Netflix queue, and it's like, family favorites, you'd still find Indiana Jones there. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. Like, damn, all right, cool. There was something else. I don't remember what it was. It was something that I probably saw today or yesterday uh-huh. when I was looking through stuff, and it was just one of the family-friendly films, and whatever it was, I was just like, are you sure? Right. Like, do you remember that movie? Because I do. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. Yeah, Poltergeist is a good one. That is actually I've had the the uh, I know a lot of uh, my horror fan friends are big fans of the second and third Poltergeist movies, mm-hmm. and I actually have them both like recorded to watch, and I've had them recorded to watch for. Years and I still haven't, still haven't done still it. Haven't seen them. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen them. I uh, see it again. Like the the eighties trash. Like a lot of the uh-huh. the uh, um, things that most people wouldn't even go near are the things that like I've been really getting into as of the past couple of years. I'm not sure if you saw in Search of Darkness. Um, it is so far. It's a two-part um, documentary with a third coming out in the next uh, year or so. But they're uh, they're each like three and a half hours long. Okay. Oh, excuse me, four and a half hours long. Oh, okay. Um, Quite and, a bit. Uh, they uh, are documentaries about like all the horror films of the eighties, and nice. uh, I watched the first part, and I just was. Like my love for horror was re-energized times mm-hmm. a thousand, and I had to go through and watch as many of those films as I could. And a lot yeah, of these were an exciting time. I really wish that I like my my wish was that I had been born in like 1969 or 1970. Uh-huh. Yep. Got to see Jaws in the theaters, mm-hmm. and then got to be like a teenager through the 80s. Man, mm-hmm. I feel like that would have been hell of a time. Yeah, it would have been. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. I would be. Closer to death <laughs> than I probably am now. That's right. That's right. 
and it's uh, win win win. You know, get the hell off of this godforsaken <laughs> planet already, <laughs> and into the next dimension. That's right. Uh, so, what did you think of the most recent Halloween sequel, Halloween Kills? Okay, so I, I have some I have some negative complaints for it. I want. I want to hear. I. W- I would like to. We can. We can spend a, a hot minute on this. Okay. I feel Sweet. like this is something that you know people, uh, for the three people that might tune in, uh-huh. it, they're definitely not getting this far into it. But uh, Halloween Kills came out uh, like what two and a half weeks ago, three mm-hmm. weeks ago now almost, mm-hmm. and um, you know a lot of people watched that movie, mm-hmm. and it is a very divisive film mm-hmm. and even for those of us me right. who really enjoyed the film upon my second viewing i was like man right okay this film's pretty rough <laughs> right okay yes exactly um and again i still liked it i oh. you know my big thing that i will say and i'll hand this over to you is that i don't know what more you want from a halloween film like it's Stupid characters that just yes. get murdered by <laughs> Michael Myers. Like yes. that's all the first film was. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. And um, he's just about as badass as he's ever been, and he's like sixty-five years old. So yep. Yep. you know, um, and the music was really good. So that's, that's right. like that's all I wanted from the film. So sure. those expectations were met. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of my other drawbacks to just go to writing and creative choices that I'm like okay right exactly that's and that's my my shtick so um for those of you who don't know I'm a writer I am an aspiring author I guess is what you would call someone like me um and I care a lot about story I am a cinephile and I love the cinematic aspects of film but um for me, all of that serves the story, and if the story isn't as good as I want it to be, then the movie's just not as good as I want it to be. Typically, there there are probably some exceptions, um, but for the most part, that's how I am with things, right? Mm-hmm. So, I I walked away from the movie. I went and saw it opening night, of course, mm-hmm. and I walked away from the movie being like, "Look, I got what I really came for. Mm-hmm. Like, I got Michael Myers walking around with a big ass knife." looking fucking cool and spooky fucking music playing and Michael Myers killing people. I, you know, like yeah. what do you, what do you want? Um, the, the scenes, I'll, I'll say that actually for a little bit later. There, the, I just had the complaint that like story wise, it didn't all make sense. Didn't all quite add up. There was a little bit of a, of a suggestion of like a supernatural element. I don't know how deep we want to go into spoilers here. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert. So it's basically suggested at the end of the movie that Michael Myers is literally immortal. And I just think that's so fucking stupid because it's it's suggested from the first movie on that, like, we should fear that there could be something supernatural about Michael. But part of the beauty of it is that there's not necessarily either. Um, and there probably, like, there sort of probably isn't, right? Like... Um, in the first movie, we see a gun unloaded into Michael Myers. He's not wearing a bulletproof vest. There's a gun unloaded into his torso, and he falls down from a second story, and, and he runs away. Um, 
walks very right. I'm menacingly sorry. I'm away. sorry. He slowly, <laughs> slowly My walks alarm away. don't run. <laughs> That's right. He never runs. Uh, but he walks away, right? Yeah. And it's like, okay, so he, he has this air of, of being inhuman to him, mm-hmm. but without outright being inhuman. Yeah. And there's like a mystery to that and like a, a there's something eerie about that that yeah. I really appreciate. And I think the reason it pissed me off is because I don't think you needed it. I don't think you needed it. Like, there's a scene, there's a great scene, to be honest, where the daughter uh, manages to lure him into the middle of a mob who is armed and ready to kill his ass. And she says, got you, which is a callback to the movie before, and it's that part's fucking great. And then they all start attacking him. And having him... You could have had him fight his way out of that yeah. without going supernatural, without going Michael Myers' is evil personified. Well, you know, I think if I may play devil's advocate just a little bit, I do believe that that is the whole concept of Michael Myers, and that would that would be from what I've garned from, you know, a million watching a million interviews with John Carpenter that you know, basically, what if evil was a person? Sure. And that would be Michael Myers, and that's why he can't be killed, is because, because evil he's, can't be killed. He's, yeah, exactly. You can't destroy evil. Now, where I agree with you is with everything else that you said, that that didn't necessarily need to be said out loud. With that said, I do like... I like the idea that they don't know how to stop him and so they're making him up to be more powerful than he actually is mm-hmm. so when Laurie says the more he kills the more he transcends mm-hmm. i like that line i like that line a lot i think it's very cool what i would have done differently is not have him be beaten and stabbed and shot by a mob but rather what happens 30 seconds later, which is he gets back up and starts killing them. I would have loved to seen a melee happen of all these people trying to kill him, but they can't. And they just fail. And in, instead of showing, oh yeah, he's just superhuman. Exactly. Uh, where, you know, why no one in their right mind ever does the double tap. I mean, that's to me, that's where the lazy writing comes in, uh-huh. and it it's it's never a it's never people don't have the chance because if you made it so people didn't have the chance, you'd be like, oh, well, he's just unstoppable. But when he's laying there on the fucking ground and you don't chop his fucking head off, right? Come on, right. Gang. what would you do? What um, would you like if you had him in front of you and yeah. you're holding an axe? <laughs> That's why you'd end the fucker. Like, yeah. Arguably, have you seen Halloween H two O? Have you seen the when it came out? Like, yeah, yeah. So that Sorry. is, uh, <laughs> hey, no worries. Yeah. It's, uh, I think if you were to watch Halloween, and I know a lot of people uh, have disowned, like mm-hmm. a lot of the people involved have disowned Halloween too, mm-hmm. but I think Halloween two is a solid, solid film. By yeah. no means has it reached the the grades, the but as yeah. far as a sequel is concerned, it's certainly not bad. It's got um, some definitely some redeeming qualities there. Yeah, and um, 
the whole element with Lori being the sister, you know, whatever, I could take it or leave it. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't ruin it for me mm-hmm. by any means. Um, then H2O picks up 20 years after the events of that night, and Lori Strode has gone into hiding, changed her name, has a son. She's a teacher at a school. Somehow mm-hmm. Michael Myers finds her, and, you know, the ensuing battle takes place on Halloween night of all nights. Surprise, surprise. Um, and uh, in that one, at the very end, Lori chops off his fucking head. <laughs> and you're like, all right, cool, he's done. Of course, in the sequel of that one, Halloween Resurrection, which I fucking disown. Okay. And I will say it right here, right now. That movie is hot fucking garbage. And <laughs> I don't think I will ever watch it again as long as I live. Um, See, now I need to watch that one once. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it just pisses me off. It's uh-huh. just 2000s horny teen hot garbage mm-hmm. with some of the worst dialogue and for some reason Buster Rhymes is in it, which oh, is actually maybe one of the more redeeming plots. <laughs> but um, at least there's that. They find a way to bring Michael Myers back. But as far as I've always been concerned, that that moment where she chops his head off, that is the end yeah. of that that story. And I think that's a cool way of looking at it. But going back to Halloween Kills, they're just there are character choices. Um, there's there's just blatantly terrible dialogue. I yeah. just I don't know how many times you have to say evil dies tonight in one film, but uh, I get what they're trying to accomplish there. But I agree with you that they didn't. So. Yeah. yeah, and I evil dies tonight like. The the I liked the characters, uh, Big John and Little John. I thought they were funny, and um, they're they're to me. I thought they were they were fine characters. I just feel like it's not even that they shouldn't have been in a Halloween movie. It's just that they shouldn't have been in this Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. The the I feel like the stakes are too high, and it it created this weird pacing issue yeah. where like we're just sure. talking uh, we're hanging out with these guys that are talking and being silly which again i liked the characters yeah. i thought they were they were perfectly you know silly together good and added yeah. good they comic had good chemistry yeah, yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yeah um but it certainly didn't progress the story forward at all mm-hmm. it took away screen time from jamie lee curtis which felt unnecessary took away we could have been developing uh maybe Karen a little bit better maybe doing a little bit more character development for Tommy Mm -hmm. um because those two were definitely the leads of the film in my personal opinion yeah um Strode's down for the count and those two are the ones that are driving the story yeah yeah so that's on their shoulders yeah um, I was a big fan of all the carnage, all the um, the violence in Michael's just fucking rampage. I liked all that, um, but yeah, man, there was there was definitely some some weird stuff in there that I was just like, and even the flashback stuff. I thought it all looked good and it all sounded good. Maybe. I wasn't sure what the 
point of it was really. Do you think it might have just been showing off that they could do that? I I, I maybe to because, a degree because I will say to an extent for me it just worked in that in just that sense like just cutting to this footage that looks like it's from the seventies with that music playing got me a couple times like good. Where I, was I like, <laughs> the Damn. first time I watched it, I was losing my shit. I uh -huh. was like, we watched it, we watched it at our house, you know? Okay. Okay. So I'm like, they're slapping Celeste. I'm like, look at this! I'm, look at it! <laughs> yeah. I was like, it looks like it's from... How, how, yeah. Why the fuck, like... And I see this in my review. everyone do this? Like, yeah. anytime there's ever a flashback to anything that's ever been done before, why aren't people trying to make it look like the original I film? Know. No one ever does it. That was I the know. first time... I had ever seen it been done at least to to the perfection yeah. that it was done. It's really cool. Um, the thing that really got me is that if you listen, their sound mm -hmm. in that film is different than the sound of the rest of the film. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, I geeked See, out too. That to like, me was fucking yeah. bitching. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. But I didn't understand what Hawkins killing the cop and then the whole bit with Dr. Loomis and how that somehow made it Hawkins' fault that no. Michael didn't get no <laughs> killed. No. I don't I understand how any of that didn't how any of that came into play. Yeah. Um so that was that was a funky thing for me um bringing back characters like <clears throat> Lonnie and the nurse and Tommy, mm -hmm. uh, just to have them all fucking killed in this movie, like yep. it does. There's no, there's no pathos. You, it, mm -hmm. they needed to be around longer for you to really, really care. Yeah. Um, Especially knowing that this movie is leading into another movie. Yeah. Like, and th that you that, burned a lot of your cards. That, and my biggest thing with it, and again, this is something that I talk about in my re review, is that it's the ending where they kill off Tommy, they kill off Karen, and Laura Strode's doing a voiceover, and it's done like that. And I'm like, mm -hmm. why? Yeah. These are people that you want us to care about. I'm assuming you want us to care about their death, or is it just so we can rush all through this and get to the next movie, the next in movie. which case... Yep. Yeah, shame so on you yep. because that's not how you're supposed to make a movie. That's right. Yeah, um, that's, that's how I felt too. And I mean, again, I liked the film well enough. Sure, you sure. know, I had fun with it. Uh, but again, my expectations are fairly low for a Halloween film. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not expecting Christopher Nolan levels of, of course. greatness. <laughs> right. I, you know, I probably went with higher expectations than you. Um, I liked Halloween 2018 more than you. I see that one is one that I like. I have a lot, a lot of mm -hmm. my gripes with Halloween Kills mm -hmm. are also similar gripes that I had with 2018, like random stuff that just, there's so many random things littered in both films. I'm like, mm -hmm. like creative choices. I'm like, why did you do that? Why did you edit that that way? Why did the person say that line? What does that even mean? Mm -hmm. um, my big thing that caught me and still to this day catches me off guard because I think it's such a weird cut and it doesn't have nearly the impact that it's supposed to say. And I remember seeing it in the theaters and just having my heart sink 
a little bit was the opening scene masterfully done. Mm -hmm. Perfect, adds suspense, creepy, so well shot, looks beautiful. Everything with the mask is fantastic. Fantastic, excuse me. And then that cut, say something! And then it cuts to Halloween and the titles roll. I'm like, what, what am I supposed to be feeling right there? Sure. Like, if they had done a different cut where, like, if they had played it off, played it off, played it off, didn't have Michael look, didn't have Michael look, and then he turns his head and you see his scratched out eyeball from the first one, mm -hmm. and then we cut to black. Uh -huh. Then you get a little bit more of a, oh, baby, here we go, sort uh -huh. of deal. Just, like, weird things like that all throughout um, the 2018 version. Weird dialogue beats that just don't mesh well. Like, where just the way people talk, it's, it's not how people communicate. That's a big thing with with me when people just talk weird mm -hmm. and I mean I know sometimes people talk weird but not yeah. everyone should talk weird and th that's a big yeah. thing with the the 2018 version and Halloween Kills is the dialogue is melodramatic to obscene levels yeah. just like people saying when when they're like at least three different people talk about how Michael Myers has haunted this town for 40 years. Yep. And you're like, yep. chill the fuck up. out, yeah. bro. No one even talks like the that. fucking and guy's murdering a family down the street <laughs> right. right now, and it's going to be more people than the, right. the night that that fucker killed three teenagers. You well, know? That's what I was going to say is like, especially in this continuity where like Michael Myers basically killed, you know, in totality, what, including his sister. And the cop afterwards. In this continuity, he killed a total of, like, six people, like, 40 years ago. Yeah. Like, that sucks. But, like, also, 40 years later, a yeah. town gets over six people getting killed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, God, that probably sounds really callous. I don't mean to sound callous. But, like, no, but it's, it's a little dramatic. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. People wouldn't still be like, oh, my God, that mask. Michael like, Myers. Yeah. 43 years they ago. They would like, not be fucking talking about it. Mm -hmm. At a fucking talent show. Right. Again, exactly. weird fucking shit where, yeah. like, they're doing this talent show. You don't even see this talent show. It's just happening. And then Tommy uh, gets up there and starts talking about... And I was waiting for... A, I was waiting for a joke to happen. I was waiting for something to happen. Because it moment. gets so... So... Um, melodramatic, uh, excuse me, for lack of a better word, and it just doesn't stop, and you're like, okay. He's got kind of a weird tone here. Like, yeah. Like, There's awkward. just weird tonal things, and I think a lot of that stems from uh, um, David Gordon Green and um, what's his name? Why can't I think of his name right now? Uh, Danny McBride um, being comedy guys yeah, yeah. um and i feel that usually that is not the case i feel that usually when you are a comedic person it's very easy to switch over to, to drama because yeah it's very easy to make people cry it's not very easy to make people laugh yeah you know um uh, comedy writers tend to be pretty clever 
Yeah, and so I feel that that jump is a lot easier than someone who would naturally do yeah. horror movies to try and to try and do comedy, jump jump into comedy. Mm-hmm. I just feel that whoever is in charge of dialing certain things down just didn't, or maybe they did a lot of improv or something. But yeah, there was there's just some tonal things that just don't mesh well. That being said, I like both of those films. I think I gave my I think I gave Halloween Kills like an obscene like eight out of ten on my thing. And that was again before I watched it a second time. In in retrospect, I'd probably give it like a six point five. Sure. But um, you know, I was living off the living off the the high. I think I recorded the review like a day afterwards, and I was just like, "Fuck yeah!" Do you remember the scene with the pumpkins and they're all on fire and floating towards you? <laughs> that was great. Uh, see, for me, I thought. Um, there were a few things that really disappointed me from like a, a physical point of view, choreography, like the some of Michael's murders in that movie just didn't have any fucking tension at all. No. There's no there's if, if I don't believe that a person could possibly escape or possibly win somehow, if you don't have a good you don't have a good slasher kill scene, in my opinion. Yeah. And this might be me being a little bit snobby, and I, you know, I, I am a little bit more snobby than some people with stuff like this, but like, the open, to, to use an example, the opening scene of the original Scream is great because you really think she might get away. Yeah. You know what I mean? You really think she might get away. I didn't feel like that a single time in this movie. And I gotta tell you, one of the most disappointing moments in the whole fucking movie, um, they were Little John and Big John. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a scene where they realize that Michael is in their house, and Big John starts taking his shit off of his hands. He starts taking off his rings, taking off his bracelets and shit. I got so excited, Johnny. I thought, oh, he's a former professional boxer or a former Navy SEAL, or he used to be a Shylock. You know what I mean? He's a bad motherfucker, and he's looking for trouble. And I got so excited because I thought... That that's what they were telegraphing. Yeah. Like a dude a dude taking off all of his shit, like, here we go. And then just, no, it was just two guys who were both total wimps, grabbing little tiny knives and getting butchered. And, and, and there was no tension, nothing interesting happening. Um, well, I might, I might uh, stop you right there and say that uh, motherfucker getting stabbed in the armpit is fucking interesting. I remember, <laughs> I remember Celeste was just like... Oh fuck! Did he get stabbed in an armpit? I was like, yeah. I was like, ow! <laughs> Just that—that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> of all the places, well, you're allowed to get stabbed. Not, not the armpit. Let <laughs> stay away from the armpit. But uh, but yes, please continue. Well, no, I just I just wanted some t- I wanted some tension. I wanted some conflict. No, there I was, I agree. The scene where he murders the old people is to me is just like yeah. Well, that, there's those, nothing to well, it. Like, those I. Also have a big, big issue, and this is something that also they did in the 2018 version, where they introduced all these teenage characters and then didn't have them do Do anything anything until you're like, all right, cool, this is 
the next time I see you is you 15 minutes before you're going to die, basically. And I know that this is what is setting that up. Yeah. And I don't care. Right. Because you're not going to do a damn thing. Like, nothing's going to happen. It's not... There's nothing... There's... Again, there's no pathos. We don't Mm -hmm. care about these characters Mm -hmm. because we haven't been given time to care about them. Right. Or they're being introduced specifically to be killed. Right. The old couple... I knew that that's why they were showing up. Yep. That they were going to be killed. Yep. All right. As much as I like that motherfucker being stabbed in the back with the knives, just because that just shows Michael being... Being Michael. Yeah. Michael. Being vicious. Um, And I do feel that we have needed more of that, and I was happy to get that. Mm-hmm. Um, But same thing with Big John and Little John. I'm like, well... Here we are, and the, the the biggest the biggest dumbest thing that those characters did was close the damn door. Oh yeah, and not leave their house. Right. Yeah, there's a maniac Just in our house. Walk let's out of close your the house door and let's search with, him out. With the find him with, with the fucking like because we're charcuterie board knives yeah. and fucking go like get the fuck out of here. Get out of your house. Don't be stupid. And that's like one of my big things that I talk about in my reviews is stupid horror movie people doing stupid horror movie people things. The idiot plot. It's shit that I cannot abide. It requires everyone to be stupid in order for the story to keep moving forward. It's like, that's not storytelling. Again, that's lazy writing. Sometimes, sometimes there are excuses for that or it can be done well. You know, um, but... Well, a character being stupid in a scene is one thing. Yeah. It's like everyone being stupid all the time. Yeah. It's like that's just just weak. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I 100% agree. Um, where, how do you think, do you have any uh, thoughts about how the uh, third one will end? <sighs> Man, I really don't know where they're going. I no, don't. It's really hard to yeah hard to see. I, I I I'm not sure. I'm I'm gonna be there opening night again. You know. Yeah. I'll be button seat. But um, I <laughs> what they're gonna do, I'm really not sure. I uh, if I had to guess, I would imagine. I mean, I feel like Lori's gotta. She's gonna die. Have her, yeah. Have her final confrontation with Michael Myers. Yeah. Maybe that, they both die. And that's they're both what I'm dead. Thinking. And then when the cops show up, she's still there, but Michael isn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that that would just fine. That's I kind of feel like it has to be her and Michael's final confrontation. I kind of feel like they're both gonna die, and I kind of feel like they're gonna cop out, and Michael won't be dead at the end. I, I think you actually just kind of hit the nail on the head. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Maybe they'll surprise us. I want a little bit of compensation. Yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I want just a little bit. Huh? We'll send you an invoice, guys. I'm, I want 0.5%. Yeah. That's all I want. <laughs> uh, I just want a credit. <laughs> just have my name. Yeah. Right? Maybe somewhere. I've done a couple of, uh, I've done a couple of, um, uh, like, Kickstarter things where I've contributed to stuff and I was like, wait for all nine zillion credits to see. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, what? I, I made a movie. I did it. <laughs>
doing? Do you need to take a break? Do you need more water or anything? Are you doing all right? We can take a quick break. Yeah, we'll, we'll take a quick, quick little break. Back up and running. Almost a one hour exactly. How's your whiskey? Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Johnny was kind enough to pour me a little dram of Whistle Pig's 10-year rye, uh, which I'm very excited about because I've never had this lovely nectar. It is quite delectable. So now that we have a little bit of uh, the old uh, the old devil's nectar in us, yeah. let's talk about, uh, let's get a little bit deeper with it and talk about some, some real life fears, some real life anxieties. What, uh, to you, if, uh, this isn't too personal a question, but what, uh, what are some of the things that's legitimately put fear in your bones? Oh man. societal collapse environmental collapse like which we're not i i worry not a lot. yeah <laughs> you know i worry a lot about living in like uh mad max times yeah, like man. not that i think it's gonna happen just like that but the idea that like the idea that like food and water and everything that we are used to having isn't gonna be the same forever that freaks yeah. me out a little bit yeah yeah that one's that one's definitely one that's been rolling around in the old noggin, particularly as of late, particularly with the way that you see the Republican Party kind of restricting voting yep. laws and stuff like that. It's, it's pretty scary stuff. But on the flip side, the way that the uh, um, far left has leaned so hard into censorship. I feel like normal people are really, uh, really just getting lost in between this this war that's happening between these two polar opposite sides. And do you think that we might have a, a potential civil war? On our hands? <clears throat> I don't think... I don't think all-out conflict across the nation is likely. I think more of it, like, simmering until it hits a boil in the way that we're seeing it right now. Like, um, airlines are having to stop serving... Like, having to stop serving alcohol because people are attacking their flight attendants. Um... You know, there's been a, a, a little spike in violent crime. People are just kind of fighting more. There's more confrontations. Mm -hmm. I find myself at work. We both work in a... We both have a job that sort of puts us out there a little bit for, for these situations. Mm -hmm. I, I've found people more confrontational. Um, I could see that just sort of increasing in that direction. But I, I guess I just worry about, like, with... It, the, the combination of incompetent governments combined with um, with just 
ecological realities mm. leading to you know like hey like, like you know it starts with things like rolling blackouts and then like our our produce not being very good and being really expensive and it's like hey why am i paying like seven times as much for bad produce and then well there's no produce and there's no water available this week and you know it's like the frog in the water yeah yeah that's that's something that is kind of a a lingering anxiety in the back of my mind yeah i can uh... not that by the way if anyone's listening to this i'm not predicting the end of the world i'm just saying this is something that concerns me i mean all um all empires up to this point have fallen, have fallen. yeah so um I very much believe that we are seeing the beginning of that, um, even if it doesn't happen for another, you know, 50 years or something like that. Um, <clears throat> you and I could both potentially still be alive, um, but, you know, I remember I had some serious reservations about bringing a child into this world still yeah, have uh by no means do i regret it but of i course. i feel you feel uh, concerns i feel regret yeah or by no means is it anything that i could have stopped sure. or changed right not um, in charge unfortunately you know i had uh, we had the uh, um Celeste godchildren over for a Halloween and we were doing pumpkin carving and uh, one of uh, one of the youngsters was taking a lot of the paper towels and her mom told her you know that's for you the trees are you're gonna kill in the trees and I'm like had to tell her I was like don't make her feel bad she can use as much paper as she wants you want to know why there are warehouses filled with paper towels that will outlast all of us those trees are already dead. <laughs> the world is already dead, and there's no reason <laughs> you should make the kid feel bad about paper towels. All of this has been fucked before any of us had a chance to yeah. do anything about it. Yeah. And I am a firm believer that we should stop telling people that everything's going to be all right and start telling people that it's not, and that we should probably enjoy the time that we have left with it being good. I am a full-blown atheist. Mm -hmm. I'm a pessimist. And I'm a nihilist. Yeah. I'm the yeah, most you depressing are. person you'll ever meet. <laughs> yeah. And I have very little hope for humanity in general. I mean, if you look at it in terms of just um, disasters. If you look at it in terms of the fucking dinosaurs, eventually there will be an extinction level event of some kind. Of course. Yep. And that to be to be fair, an extinction level event that takes out humanity could literally be not only not in our lifetimes or his lifetime, but it could be... Oh, yeah. A million years from now. Now, do you want to... The, the scariest movie that I've watched in uh, recent memory, because it was so well done, 
in such a realistic fashion and really is probably my my worst like nightmare whether it's unrealistic or not is um have you heard the film greenland um with uh gerard butler i and have i didn't see it i should i, I have seen it? it i it's it was like the little movie that could kind of came out in the middle of COVID when they're like, we're going to reopen up the theaters, right. s- something like that. And mm-hmm. I think it ended up doing pretty okay. And I think it released on VOD and all that. And it, it did very well. And it was very well rated for a Gerard Butler movie. And I mean that not in, I really like him. I just know that, you know, yeah. his movies don't always get a they lot of love. Always, yeah. And um, it's a movie about a comet that, wipes out humanity basically yeah and it is done in such a realistic fashion Mm -hmm. it's not armageddon it's not deep impact it's done in a way where it's like everyone's gonna die and we're gonna try and save the ones that can rebuild humanity basically Mm -hmm. and of course with all the drama and everything going wrong that could go wrong and you know it's a last minute sort of deal but that to me scares the living hell out of me because the idea that you can't there's nothing you nothing can do. you there's nothing you can do every other thing every other bad thing you could theoretically try and fight it try and survive it there's a way in the back of your mind where you're like i could possibly survive a zombie outbreak mm-hmm. i could possibly survive a shark attack mm-hmm. i could possibly survive a you know slasher killer coming after me sure you know? they're all these especially things especially that one yeah yeah very much so that. yeah um <laughs> fucking run I'll, yeah I'll don't run. stop or ever or i'm gonna fuck you up <laughs> just get in your car and drive <laughs> out of town why don't the windows, more people do that the windows rolled up um drive out of town for real uh but the idea that everyone uh that you know is all gonna die in the same instant as you and i i didn't know what this fear was for a long time and then i heard it talked about uh on uh the joe rogan experience which was i do believe it's um uh death terror theory or something along those lines uh uh basically this idea that we are um, so afraid of being forgotten, not leaving our mark that we, that's why we try and become famous. That's why we try and, you know, have Absolutely. the, make the tallest building or create the best piece of art so that, you know, we are remembered mm-hmm. um, beyond. And that's why a lot of people have ki- children and stuff like that. So we are, remembered because we're so afraid of being forgotten yeah. and i think personally i when i found that out i was like oh yeah no i definitely have that problem it sounds it sounds real egotistical but i can honestly say that the idea of just no one remembering me sounds really really depressing yeah. to me and i i you know a lot of people when i tell people that like my my big anxiety of like <clears throat> I used to have nuclear holocaust dreams all the time. I don't really have them anymore. Now I have 
asteroid dreams. Right. That that happened right. even before I saw the movie, but like just something big falling from the sky and that big explosion. I remember I had a dream. This one hit home. It was I had a dream. I was in the car with my wife, and it was like her family, like her brothers, mm. and uh, the we saw you know, the asteroid or whatever it was coming down from the sky. And I had my, my physical impulse was in the dream telling, wanting me to tell her to drive as fast as she could. Mm -hmm. This, this need to survive, you know, this physical need we all have to fight and yeah. survive, yeah. uh, that is insatiable. And my brain and heart telling me just step outside of a car and tell your wife that you love her. Right. Like those two things arguing inside my brain. And yeah, then I woke up. Um, but those, that, that anxiety of like, well, if we all die at the same time, no one's going to remember no me. <laughs> And then now I have a child and the idea that, you know, I wouldn't be able to save my child is that is the only instinctual thing that overrides your ability to take care of yourself, basically, mm -hmm. is save your child. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and in the, the movie, Gerard Butler has a, a one child. He has mm -hmm. a son and it's him and his wife. And so I sat and watched this movie in... I had a, an anxiety attack the yeah. whole time I watched it. I was, like, clenching Celeste's hand. Yeah. I was the one who put on the goddamn movie. Right. Right. Knowing what it was about, it, it, too. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah fuck, fuck with me. Mm -hmm. um, terrible, terrible, like, anxiety thing that, you know, I have to, you know, I deal with. And, and that... That shit freaks me out, and that's 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 an extreme thing. But yeah. I'm I'm an incredibly anxious person. I didn't realize it until only very recently that I am anxious about everything yeah. all the time. Yeah. And that's actually one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about this stuff because I know that you are too, and yeah. I Big would um, you know have to extend my apologies because I think there was a time when I was a young and stupid and ignorant man that was just like oh you're being ridiculous and you know definitely uh you and everyone else my brother <laughs> that you know it's not realizing that it's something that is it's a hard thing for a lot of people to deal with and a lot of people don't even realize it because no one tells you about no anxiety they tell you about stress Yep. They tell you ways that you should cope with stress and that you shouldn't be, be stressed. Yeah. That you shouldn't be stressed and that there's no reason to, you know, be stressed, you yeah. know? They don't tell you about this like weird sinking feeling like why is it that when I drive to work after having two days off that I'm extra paranoid about the fact that, you know, something's happening to my family that I can't control as I'm driving to work and mm -hmm. that I feel like my car is gonna crash into anything at any instant and like why is that? Yeah. You know, they don't talk about that stuff. Yeah. And you've always, you've always been that way. Yeah, but no, you, I have. You've always had those tendencies. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that, that's interesting. <clears throat> um, I mean, anxiety is a normal response. So here's the thing. 
anxiety disorders are called disorders, and I'm not arguing with like doctors or psychiatrists or anyone who's much smarter than I am, but I think that being anxious is a natural progression um, when you are intelligent and you live in the world we live in. Yeah. Like, like life is anxiety inducing. Yeah. Like you are met with stressors constantly. Yeah. There's many things to be worried about. You have to be worried about, I mean, you have plenty of things to be worried about. I'm not saying that like to like, no, I, 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 but I I agree with you and I I will point these things out to people on a regular basis. And Mm -hmm. this is, you know, why I say that I'm, I'm a pessimist Mm -hmm. because People at work will be like, oh, you know, this is so da 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 and, you know, this shift is so bad. I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, you know, you could die on your way to work and <laughs> right. all be exactly. over. like, oh, my God. I'm like, what? Why? Why do we not? Why aren't we okay with talking about it? Yep. We should be okay with talking about it because guess what? None of us are getting out of this alive. Not, not a single one. It, you know, it's a funny thing, too, because I, I think that way, and I talk that way sometimes, too. And um, most people just, I think, just distract themselves. Like, we, dude, we are squishy, fragile nothings. Yeah. Like, like the universe sees fit to crush us with boulders all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the way that you might kick over a can and kill a bunch of ants without even meaning to, the universe does that to humans constantly. We are, we are specks in existence and, um, you know, the, 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 the natural world around you is indifferent to you. (laughs) Like it doesn't fucking care that you're here. So when you're someone like you and I, and you sort of, you sort of meet the world on those terms, people that are really, really concerned about like. Well, I don't want to pick on anyone specifically, but people who are just like very distracted and don't allow themselves to have those thoughts, I think get a little bit like weirded out when they're confronted with that sort of thing. Well, I will take it a step further and pick on people specifically. Um, <laughs> uh, and in uh, no, no way, shape or form is this really an attack, but I do find that people who are religious have a little bit more of i would say more power to them in this regard they are comfortable Mm -hmm. with i mean comfortable in quotation marks with the uh the idea of dying because they they think it's uh because they believe that there's something better to come mm-hmm. um and there's a purpose for their whole life yeah and yeah. see now i um being a very humble person in the sense that i feel like i won the fucking lottery to even be here in the first place um take all the good things that i have and really try and take stock of them as much as my anxiety and my depression would like to say otherwise i feel very very grateful for all the the very very good things that i have and the fact that all of that could be taken away at any given point in time is not lost on me that life is that yeah and that this as far as i'm concerned this is it Mm -hmm. so um yeah, I, I think, again, I do feel like I'm 
covering uh, some territory I talked about with Abby again, but I do think that people who think that there's something after this, you know, uh, they don't look at it as depressingly as I do, but I look at it and go, yeah, we're, we're, after this is done, this is it. So mm -hmm. um, it does make the idea of dying a little uh, uh, scary to me. Sure, sure, of course. Yeah, and I think, I, and again, I think anybody who says that they're not afraid is, you know, trying to pull a fast one because just the idea of non-existing if you can try and wrap your head around that then you're doing better than most right i i think that some people are built different and some people probably aren't really aren't that afraid i think there are are sociopathic types and i think there's certain types of people but i would say generally you're right like they're like you're biologically designed to be afraid of dying we're yeah. supposed to survive that's our biological imperative um I, man, I didn't think this podcast was going to go in this direction, but I have been studying uh, uh, Western philosophy for a while, and there's a famous Stoic philosopher named Epictetus, and he had a really great bit on dying where he basically talked about how, like, think about, like, harvesting wheat, like, everything gets harvested, like, the blade comes for us all, right? Mm -hmm. And um, his thing was that you can't think your way into not dying. You can't do anything to make yourself not die. So the only thing you can control is the way that you think about dying. And he didn't mean that in the sense of like deluding yourself, but like just giving yourself the perspective of like you are part of the whole and you are here, and then you're not, because that's how things work. And you don't have to attach extra fear and anxiety to it, because, you know, like, how bad was life before you were born? Yeah, that's the way I always try to think of it. You know? Like, it's always the way I try to think of it. I think, was that, so. I think uh, Mark Twain was the one who said, I was perfectly okay before I was born, and I think I'll be perfectly I'll be fine okay afterwards. afterwards. Yeah. And so does that, like, erase the anxiety? No, but I think it makes it better. No, and I agree with you. And really, really in my, my darkest moments, that's what I, I lean on. Mm -hmm. um, but, and I mean... I had to, I had to, you know, I was talking to my sister about it, you know, sometime back when I was like, oh yeah, I think about dying every day. And she's like, <laughs> yeah. Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, why? Uh, <laughs> well, she has a point. Thinking about dying every day is like a key indicator of like depressive symptoms. So. Oh yeah, for <laughs> yeah. sure. And yeah. I mean, that was, that was what like led me to like look into, mm -hmm. you know, anxiety disorders and stuff like sure. that and yeah, yeah. see like. On a scale of one to ten, how bad am I? You're like, oh, not great. Yeah, actually. But the yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's something that I I like to keep in the forefront of my brain mm -hmm. um, for better or worse because I'm I'm dude, I'm just such a I'm such a type A personality that I like to be prepared. And being prepared for for death, the idea that that I don't necessarily 
don't know. I can't, I can't quite put it into words. I just don't. I understand what you're trying to say. I, I do. don't want it to catch me by surprise sort mm -hmm. of a deal. And I don't want it to be something that, you know, I don't ever think it can't happen to me. You know, sure, I feel absolutely. like most, I feel like, I feel like most of the human race just deludes themselves. Into thinking that they're mortal. It, yeah. won't, it won't happen yeah. because it hasn't happened. Right. And I mean, then, you know, we could really buy into the, uh, the, uh, the matrix theory, which sure. is, which yeah. is where, which is where my brain likes to go. Yeah. You know, that's always the fun one. You're like, well, maybe we're just in a simulation. You know? Well, I, I actually, <laughs> have, I actually have a quick question for you. Have yeah. you ever been there in the moment where you were like, sure, that this is it. You were going to die. <sighs> I had, I had one, one moment where I had a tire blowout. Okay. And, and I, and it, it was funny because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I was sure, I was sure in my gut, my, I was going about 40, 45 miles an hour mm -hmm. and my rear tire blows out and I start spinning and then That's I start spinning. Very fucking scary. Yeah. And I was on, uh, I was on whatever it is. I do believe it's, uh, telegraph. Okay. Um, and I think it's telegraph. You learn a lot of danger. Uh, and it was like right where Johnson is. Yeah. And uh, it was three lanes wide. Mm -hmm. And I was in the uh, left lane. Mm -hmm. And I was going back and forth in between lanes when I was spinning. And in that moment, I, at first I was like, all right, this is going to hurt. And I might die. Right. And then all that went out of my brain and as I'm spinning there, I'm seeing dollar signs. I'm like, well, I'm going to crash into a car. I'm going to have to pay for this. And then I'm going to have to pay for my car. And then I launched up onto the sidewalk <clears throat> and um, my car hit and the, the back part of my car is higher. So it launched up onto the sidewalk and uh -huh. then just like went completely into this, this grassy area that was right there. And then all three cars that were however far behind me like went past or whatever and one car stopped and was right. like hey are you okay I'm like, I'm like i'm good man I'm like i think so i think so and uh -huh. then he drove off and the people on the side were like hey we got part of his license plate and i was like it wasn't a hit and run that was the one decent human being today and uh the only thing that was wrong with my car is the alignment was fucked up and the tire blew out but there was that moment of like yeah, that's it. Like, yeah, that could like be again, it. this like I wasn't at first. I was like, oh, I'm gonna die because mm -hmm. that that is actually like one of my. It's amplified a thousand percent now, but mm -hmm. that was always an anxiety in mind. Is what if I have a tire blow? I don't know. Yeah. So when that happened, I was like, oh, okay, this is this is how we go. And then I was like, well, I didn't die right away, so there must be pain involved. And then it was like, well, I'm still not dying, so there's going to be some financial issue, of course. Like, <laughs> hey, they say most Americans are, most uh, senior citizens are more afraid of going broke than dying. Yeah. They're more worried about that. Yeah. So um, what, what was your moment? Well, I had um, a bleeding ulcer. Uh, I threw up copious amounts of blood. And lost consciousness in my kitchen. And uh, I woke up on the kitchen floor. Fully understanding that I had lost consciousness from blood loss. Mm -hmm. And knowing that I had an open bleed inside of my body. Where I couldn't 
take a towel and stop myself from bleeding, yeah. right? So I know I'm bleeding internally, and I know that I lost consciousness standing up from bleeding internally. I tried to get up again, and I lost consciousness again. I fell on the floor, and I threw up again. Just a ton of blood. So much blood. And, yeah, that'll do it. I thought that was it. I thought that was it. And I gotta tell you, uh, it wasn't not scary, but it wasn't as bad as, as I have, as, pe I, as I, I believe a lot of people may have um, worked themselves up into believing. Like, in that moment where it was like, oh, fuck, I'm probably gonna die right now, it wasn't like, you know, I was thinking like, well, shit, I would rather not die right now. Like, yeah. definitely was thinking that I didn't want to, but I wasn't thinking, I don't know. I it think, I think, I think also there are, there, I mean, to me, by no means, but like, that would be a preferable exit to what our good friend TK would always say that he liked to do, which is like go out in an exploding plane or something yes. like that. Yeah. To me, that doesn't sound great at all. No, that, doesn't, that sound, doesn't sound wonderful. No, I don't like that idea at all. Or the, the <laughs> instinctual thing of being like attacked by some predator that was oh yeah that's bigger and badder than you and the idea of Think like thoughts because the rest of your life will not be present yeah exactly yeah. the the idea of like your your instinct just kicking in so so much that you're and i imagine that would be a pretty terrible death but those moments of just like i'm sure not i wouldn't exactly consider it i mean we all want to die in bed close Sleeping. our eyes and just yep. And just, you know, maybe with, with the person we love most in that moment and then just fade off. That's how we all want to go. But because that is, without a doubt, the best way to go. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no one's no one's over here rooting to get attacked by a bear. Or... No. <laughs> maybe TK. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shout out to TK. Um, he wants to go fight a bear for sure. Of course he does. <laughs> I think there are definitely there are definitely better uh, better routes to go, um, ways that are a little bit less uh, stress inducing. I will tell you this: I would have thought of bleeding to death as one of the worst ways to go beforehand, and now yeah. I do not. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> this got really damn. Bad. I got dark. Yeah, just uh, really macabre. Yeah, but hey, this is uh, the Johnny Horror Podcast and not the John Johnny Friendly Lovey Dovey Hearts yeah. and Rainbows yeah. Podcast. Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> we can have that podcast. <laughs> right, I would love to have that podcast. podcast. I don't. This isn't quite the Johnny Horror Podcast. This is more like the Johnny like Existential Terror <laughs> slash You're Going to Die Podcast. Well, I think that's all kind of filled filled in in the in the blanks right there <laughs> I think I don't know like I horror at the end of the day is a way that we I think is a way that we deal with our anxieties which is probably why it's my favorite genre <laughs> uh, I think it's interesting that we're both um, people would be considered like clinically anxious yeah. and we're both so drawn to horror and, and particularly we love anything that we find that we consider at all like actually scary because that can be kind of hard to find sometimes yeah i uh I think that's interesting i think that it is a very hard thing and that's why like that gerard butler movie like mm -hmm. was exhilarating 
and mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Yeah. Um, very well made film. Um, but that was a type of fear that was a little too, little too, too real, right. too real for mm-hmm. me. Something that I think is a very very plausible thing that if there were an asteroid or a comet that was big enough to destroy us that would come in the next five to ten years we wouldn't be able to do anything about it yeah this is not going to be a michael bay bruce willis (laughs) saves the day sort of scenario i think we will very much be you know fucked yeah i mean it's it's possible they do have um there are like contingencies that exists for those situations that don't mean they would work yeah so, yeah you know. i mean it's nice to know that they at least have yeah something in there, there's like there's like multiple plans for like what you would do if yeah it's really crazy like um not to go all the way off topic but there's like uh in the military they sort of plan for like every possible eventuality like they actually have a zombie apocalypse plan they just don't call it a zombie apocalypse yeah. plan they call it like a mass rabies outbreak plan. well out of all of the the fantastic sort of apocalyptic scenarios i mean that one is obviously the one that we as a society are most drawn to probably because we think it's the one that is most likely and we also the would, zombies yeah huh i i would think that if there i think it's possible but I, I wouldn't call it likely i wouldn't but out of I don't know, like, like giant ants attacking. I'd be them. more inclined to expect like an alien invasion. Than, really? Yeah. No, no. Let's let's dabble in this a little bit because okay. this is something. Obviously, I don't think I don't think I'm gonna be splitting any hairs right now, saying that there's something out there one way or another there's something out there now i it's pretty simple logic like life is a phenomenon that occurs in the universe yeah and it's a big fucking universe yeah yeah and uh now are you of the mind that they are in the same dimension as us yes 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 i think like if there's like extra dimensional shit going on that's way outside of my understanding but talking about like within the the space that we live in do i think that if i you and i could jump into a you know buzz Lightyear's rocket ship and we could just hop the stars yeah. forever would we find living things yeah yeah i do I, I firmly believe that now do you think that they would be hostile i think that if we were to find life that was intelligent which i think eventually you would I think that it's it's very up in the air. You'll notice on planet Earth that a lot of predators are also pretty intelligent compar- comparatively. Yeah. Right? Like plants, for example, we eat plants and we're smarter than plants, right? Yeah. Like human beings are the smartest animals on Earth and we're also the apex predator on Earth. Yeah. So there's that kind of train of thought, but then there's also like, well, just because we're an apex predator doesn't mean... If we go and find aliens, you know, especially like if we got advanced enough to the point where we would go out and actively find aliens, would we be there to cause harm? Like, it's very likely that we might not be. So, I think that's very up in the air. I wouldn't expect them to be hostile. Yeah, I think that, well, from our standpoint, because mm-hmm. that's a very, that's a, I, I don't know if I've 
thought of it from that perspective before that if you were to if he, if mankind was mm-hmm. to go find another planet mm-hmm. odds are we would not go in and start blowing shit up right I can't see that we would be very curious we would want to get to know them probably want to more or less mm-hmm. break bread in some way shape or form because I think that is the natural way of being with that said if we are thinking in a more primitive way if one tribe went into another tribe's territory it usually ends in some sort of uh, bloodshed of some sort now I think that if aliens were to come here Mm -hmm. I think mankind would if even if they didn't come with the intent it's, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we would most likely be the ones to fuck it up. Especially depending on who's in power. And these days, most of the people that are in power are not great people to have in power. That's very so. true. That's so... It's like, especially when like you take a look around the world, it's like... Yeah. It's real bad. Yeah. yeah. A lot of a lot, a lot of the world is run by dictatorships or governments that are leaning towards, towards that, yeah. dictatorships. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, and enough of them have nukes. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that is a very real possibility that, you know, that being said, hopefully we would, uh, work under the, uh, the idea that, you know, we would kind of want to all band together and fight the one thing. I just don't, I don't have, I don't, (laughs) I don't have faith in humanity that way i don't necessarily either i don't see us banding together against a common <laughs> it's, enemy. Po- it's it's possible i i have a thought i want to throw out there with, with you though um so you're talking about how like people are reactive and um and violent and that's true but like think about like recently congress like had to actually talk about UFOs, what they call uh, unidentified aerial phenomena, uh, UAFs. They had to call them or UAPs, whatever. Anyway, um, because there's like legitimately these things that can't be explained that like kind of sound like aliens. I'm not saying that that's what they are, but like it's like it's very suspicious. Like things that move in a way that like don't make sense from a physics perspective, from the yeah. way we understand locomotion, um, like. Things that can dip from like the atmosphere to under the sea and then back up, and like with movement patterns that don't make sense and yeah. without any kind of visible combustion and um, it sounds like alien technology, you know. And I've heard a lot of people and a lot of my friends, you know, argue that it's just government tech. But like, show me the engineer who can explain that. Show me the physicist who can explain that. Like, they can't hide technology that's five hundred years ahead of us. There's no school where you can go learn that shit. Yeah. It just doesn't, it just doesn't totally add up to me. So like if those things happened to be aliens, what I would assume is that they're studying us without contacting us because of that concern. And because they're so much more advanced than us, they can just peek in, check us out, maybe make a little bit of contact like they would with our uh, aircraft mm-hmm. and then dip. And they don't have to worry about the confrontation because they, we, they don't really give us the opportunity. Yeah. That's actually a, a very, very good way of looking at it. I would probably uh, agree with that right. 100%. Again, aliens are so 
outside of, of the realm of my concern that he, <laughs> yeah, it, like well, yeah me too I mean like it, I don't it, go around the like yeah the, well, day, the, like, people, oh, the people that like, stress the fuck out about aliens yeah. I'm like why right yeah are the I mean really the the horrors of the world are probably too much for them that they have to start fantasizing about the horrors of the stars but uh yeah man there's there's too much shit happening so when people talk to me about aliens i'm like yeah man independence day we got woke that's right we're gonna have a president that's a former fighter pilot oh my god how do we not have a president that's that cool i grew up thinking that the president of the united states was, was that bad coolest person like, i mean i guess w probably could do it yeah you could call his old ass out like, w <laughs> go fight the aliens uh, for us he'd do it yeah, he actually would. Yeah. Gutsy motherfucker. Yeah. Joe Biden would fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Biden would be like, this is boring. <laughs> oh, God. What a, what a terrible time to be a politician. You know? uh, or a person whose life is influenced by politicians. Uh, yeah. America. <laughs> America. Uh, Hoorah. Well, uh... In closing, I would just like to see what you're interested in in seeing. I know that there are a couple of horror films coming out. Um, the big one being the Scream uh, continuation, whether or not we're calling that a reboot, even though it is a, it is a proper sequel, but it's also... Scream. Right. I just... Stop doing that. I yeah. don't like it. Yeah. I didn't like it when they did it with The Thing back mm -hmm. in 2011. I didn't like it when they did it with Halloween. Mm -hmm. Just like... Where, I I realize there's no creativity. <laughs> and I don't... Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't um, necessarily need, you know, the, the Halloween dash. You know, the night Michael came back. Sure. The, sure, yeah. yeah. However many times, but like I would I would have been down for Halloween H forty like right. I think that's the unofficial <laughs> title for it. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, is there anything that you can think of, even even regular movie wise? Uh, doesn't even have to be horror. What are you excited for that's coming out? Um, my three most anticipated movies for next year are going to be Matt Reeves the Batman. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, it's like we even talk about that one. I get real excited. Um, uh, Robert Eggers, The Northman. Yes. And um, Jordan Peele's Nope. Nope. Yeah. Those are the ones that really get me. I I love me some Robert Eggers. I, I already kind of mentioned that. I already fangirled about him a little bit, talking about The Lighthouse. Um, I love Jordan Peele. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, why don't, since, I mean, we're, we just need to geek out about let's, the Batman. Let's fucking, let's go. Because... I told you I think you were the first person. Actually, you, I think you might have been. I think I messaged uh, Brian first, but uh -huh. I think you were a solid second. Because I was like, I was so taken aback by how fucking amazing that trailer was mm -hmm. that I watched it and rewatched it. And then was just so in awe and then I was like holy shit I gotta talk to Caleb <laughs> yeah. Yeah. what what, what dude it's the most uh, Batman looking thing that has ever been put on live it, action as far as I'm so, concerned so by, by a lot by a lot like it 
it feels so sincerely Batman. Yeah. It, it, like, I don't know how long it's been since you've read The Long Halloween. In a minute, but. Like, there's a, there's a, like, presence to Tim Sale's artwork. Yes. In that, there's a, this gothic presence to it. You can feel that in that movie trailer. You're like. Well, the, my, my mm. main gripe with The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises, I didn't have this problem in Batman Begins. Mm. Batman Begins. It feels like Gotham. It does. If it, it, the other movies, it does not. And it feels like Batman. Batman yeah. Begins feels more like Batman. Yeah. Yeah. And um, th- they are fucking Gotham in that yeah. movie. Yes. Man. Yes. It's, it's dark. It's got you know how Batman the animated series was animated on black paper. Yeah. It's got that feel, doesn't yeah. it? Like, don't you get that black paper yeah. feel there in those shots and so, the, the color grading and the lighting? How do you feel about... Now, I have been a Robert Pattinson fan Mm -hmm. since he was in Twilight. I think he... I remember watching him and just going, I think he's got something. And then anything that he did, even if I didn't see it, I was always interested in whatever he was doing afterwards. And then, have you seen Good Time? Yeah. Good Time is fucking phenomenal good time fucking slaps man that movie is badass yes like you want to talk about an anxiety attack yeah that whole goddamn movie it's brilliant and pattinson is the fucking man in that movie like he to say he won me over in that movie is a massive understatement so i hadn't kept up with his career uh, very well and i i am ashamed to admit i missed several good movies that he had been in when he got cast as batman I was immediately like, huh, I wonder why they did that. And, uh, you know, admitting my own ignorance here. I wonder why they did that. So I immediately went online and started looking into, like, what's he been up to these last few years? And I immediately, like, everything was just like, oh, yeah, Pattinson's been in all these various films you haven't seen. Rented Good Time on, like, Amazon. Watched it with my girlfriend. And was just like, that kid's gonna fucking kill it mm-hmm. as Batman. He's gonna mur- Like, he's so good. Yeah. And, um, and not just that, like... He was great in an indie flick that no one saw called The Rover. Um, I have that one recorded. I've been wanting to watch it for a long time. It's a, So I thought it was a good movie. My lady didn't like the movie so much, but Pattinson's performance in it is, yeah. is fucking incredible. He was great in um, The Lost City of Z. Mm-hmm. Um, he's incredible in The Lighthouse. Yeah. Um, he's, just, he's just a killer actor. You know, yeah. He's just one of the best. And something Matt Reeves said when he was talking about casting Pattinson hit me. He said, he's not just this incredible actor who's like a chameleon who can be anything you tell him to be. He said, he's the kind of person that has the soul that you would want to play Batman. And that's some weird shit to say. Yeah. But you gotta think that he means it. And I feel like you can kind of feel that when you see him in that suit and the presence he brings to it. Dude, there is a a legitimate presence. And this is just from the trailers. But Mm -hmm. when I see him Mm -hmm. in that Batman suit, I'm like... Is scary, yep. man. He's scary. Yeah. And Batman should be yeah. scary. You know, when you don't know who he is, like Batman should be scary. There's there's a legitimate edge to him that he brings yeah. to these roles that you're just like, oh, yeah. whoa, you feel it. There's like a danger to it. I fucking love the anger mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you got a little yeah. bit of that. You got a little bit of that with Christian Bale. Yeah. Like not nearly as much. He's very, very reserved. When he lets go as Batman, you yeah. can see it and it's badass. But Batman is never as angry as he needs to be. Except I would say 
with the exception of probably the animated series. While mm -hmm. it's not nearly doesn't lend itself to that level of violence. Sure. Fucking Kevin Conroy yeah. is the most pissed off Batman I've he ever is. seen. He's he is angry, and he, dude, that man wants some fucking justice. Yep. And I love, like, how unhinged Batman is mm -hmm. in this. And they, I read about how they talked about it. He hasn't, he hasn't dialed it in yet. He, right. he doesn't even know what he is, and he's just pure rage. Right. Which is uh, really exciting to see. Uh, I mean, um, Selena Kyle looks amazing yeah everything that they do like that looks like catwoman from the, comics. the way she's like does. fucking flying the around she moves yeah, yeah dude yeah perfect uh she seems to really really be nailing like the yeah. presence of that character for sure yeah i just i want to know like what how you just know with these casting decisions like like how they knew colin farrell could be <laughs> i have no that idea fucking Penguin, man, like idea. even his voice sounds nothing, not even a hint of Colin Farrell. And I'm yeah. just so so excited about that. And then uh Paul uh is it Dano Paul. Dano? Um Paul Dano. Yeah, yeah. he that man is good he's at brilliant. everything he's he said. So and we, good. we haven't we, he's the person we've gotten to see the least I amount know. of. And I he's know. probably he's, he's gonna be amazing. Yeah. He's gonna be amazing. How exciting is it to see like a, a dark version of the riddler it's incredible it's it, you know it's it, it's it's fantastic and like you know a director saying he wants to make a hitchcocky and batman movie and it's just like man i've waited my whole life for that yeah very exciting i uh, i don't think i it's uh i just watched that trailer and i just got fucking choked up, man. I was like, yes. this is fucking Batman. And yeah. That's that's one of those things that, like, <laughs> harkens back to the anxiety thing where I'm like, man, I hope I see this before I die. <laughs> Dude, I have had that thought so many times because there was a pandemic. And they, like, kicked the movie away. And I was like, I'm, dude, knowing my luck, I'm definitely going to fucking die of COVID before I go see the Batman. And it was so funny. When that, when that second trailer came out, the, the first real big trailer... Um, I watched that with my girlfriend, and right as it ended, she was like, I'm definitely going to die before I get to see that. <laughs> I was just like, damn. You know this movie's really hitting people yeah. when they're saying shit like yeah. that. That's 100% has been my thought. I'm just like, please, it, it'll all be worth it if I get to see that. <laughs> just <laughs> and then, you know, they'll show me the post credit scene or whatever it is. And like, all right, just let me see the sequel, please. Uh, well... Thank you, my friend. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll do it again sometime. Indeed. All right, man. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you again next time. <laughs> now the question is, was that at all entertaining? <laughs>